This episode is brought to you by the Arvada Center because they're kicking off their summer concert series in June. Relax under the stars at the Arvada Center's outdoor amphitheater and take in acts like Melissa Etheridge, Big Richard, Tower of Power, Preservation Hall Jazz Band, The Spin Doctors, and so much more. Concerts are scheduled for June through September. You can find a whole schedule of events and get your tickets today at arvadacenter.org. That's arvadacenter.org. Today on CityCast Denver, the hottest thing in public transit is BRT. It stands for Bus Rapid Transit. And finally, city, state, and federal officials are all on board for bringing this new, faster kind of bus service to Denver. Also, developers are betting big on Rhino, but is Denver's trendiest neighborhood still on the up and up? Joining me today to talk it all out, our Green Chilean politics correspondent, Justine Sandoval. Today is Tuesday, November 14th. I'm Paul Caroli, and for Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Justine, good morning. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Our, our green Chilean politics correspondent joining me on a Tuesday. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, uh, Bree is still out. She'll be back hopefully later in the week. Um, and we're talking about the stories that matter here in Denver this week. Uh, first up, I think we got to talk about uh, BRT, Bus Rapid Transit, um, because there was this big press conference over at the Colorado Department of Transportation last week. Uh, in my opinion, the BRT projects are the most important interesting and maybe important transportation projects happening in our city. So I am so excited that we have some new information. Um, you're a bus rider, Justine. <laughs> Tell me about BRT. Are you excited? Well, so I'm a former bus rider, okay. um, which is unfortunate. I would be a lifelong Denver transit rider. But um, so this BRT project that's coming out is really cool because we are years and years behind <laughs> Mm -hmm. what we should have been doing. Um, but basically, uh, bus rapid transit is dedicated um, lanes or areas so we can move people quickly from mm -hmm. one place to another, which is super crucial to cities. And I don't think that Denver, I think that Denver um, has had this vision, but they missed the mark many years ago on a lot of this, how it should go. So I think we're finally catching up to that. Yeah, I feel like they've been talking about it for at least 10 years, this oh, BRT yeah. stuff, and it just keeps getting pushed back, and then the pandemic, and it gets pushed back again. And Well, to give some history behind a lot of RTD stuff, so I was in third grade yes. when the light rail opened okay. up, and it was mm -hmm. a field trip for school. We went and rode the new light rail, and it was great. It was like, okay, this is the future. We're starting right here. And so, you know, without aging myself, that was uh, 29 years ago, <laughs> <laughs> and we are barely coming around yeah. to what that should have been. And I think a lot of it is the idea of being eco-chic um, was oh. what it was in those days, and that's good, right? You want to be a good person, help the environment, and that's a crucial piece, but... I mean, it's kind of what it is now, too. People are excited about it because for the climate impact. Totally. Yeah. But that's just one thing. There's so many other great things, too. A good, great city needs to be able to move their citizens from point A to point B as efficiently as possible. And that includes all citizens, uh, citizens who don't have access to cars, um, people with um, disabilities, physical disabilities, they may not be able to 
uh, you know, that need this type of transportation. Yeah. So it's crucial. So it's an economic plus. Um, it's an equality plus. It just helps cities overall. Yeah. So BRT, these dedicated bus lanes where the bus will be able to move faster, not stop quite so frequently, just be a more efficient way of getting around. Um, the news uh, last week, um, and there is actually one genuinely new thing, um, but I think most of this was just like rigmarole, at least. I, I don't know. I read Nate Miner from CPR, our, our friend, friend of the show, Nate Miner. He has been covering transit for years and years and years. And I just, maybe I'm reading into his tone here, but he wrote... On Wednesday, key players gathered at the Colorado Department of Transportation's headquarters in Denver to tout these bus rapid transit projects, but they weren't able to answer basic questions, such as how often buses will run and whether buses will have their own lanes, which are like, that's what BRT is, right? <laughs> I thought that's what it was. Yeah, that's interesting. I did not... Um hear that piece of the press conference. I mean, that's just Nate's take, you know, I, th I think. I think no. he's being sassy. But I think, yeah, and I think that there is a lot of sassiness from people in Denver and maybe not as much confidence in, like, these plans going forward because, like I said, there's mm -hmm. been a, a big gap in development. But, um, you know, hopefully those things come with the process. <laughs> well, they do have plans. Like, we, we knew this last year. This is what Nate was pointing out. There are plans, uh, BRT lines planned on East Colfax in both Denver and Aurora. That's the furthest along. Mm -hmm. They actually, this is the one piece of news. They just got um, money in the Biden budget. You probably know yes. this better than I do. Yes, they got Biden money. Um, I actually don't know all the details, but that was one of the, like, key highlights I saw when looking through all this stuff. Is they're going to get a butt ton of federal money for this. Mm-hmm. $126.9 million yeah. in federal funding for Colfax BRT specifically could be coming in Biden's budget uh, next year. But isn't that contingent on the, the the government shutdown? I don't know. I mean, you never know with the um, federal government. That's my idea. <laughs> I mean, like, I should know more about this, but yeah, the government shutdown is, is approaching, um, I believe, this week. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, um, we'll hear yeah. about that at some you point. You will hear about it. And trust <laughs> me, I will know a lot about it very shortly. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure exactly how that works. I believe, nobody get upset with me at this, that that's already been pre-allocated. So oh, I think those so funds they've already, already agreed. Together. Yeah. The important people have already made the agreements. So that, yeah. yeah. And I so, see. yeah, that money, they're not going to talk about it in a press conference, I think, unless it's already on its way. <laughs> yeah. there, I trust you. Yeah, That's yeah. a good insight. Okay. I mean, like, that makes sense, right, everybody? <laughs> I think so. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, who knows? Um, okay, so another take on this whole BRT thing came from Jill Locantore. Um, so she uh, she was the head of the Denver Streets Partnership. She was the mastermind of the Denver Neves Sidewalks campaign. Um, this was from the Denver Post, her quote. She says, I thought it was exciting to have the federal government, CDOT and Dottie all in the same room together saying this is a shared priority for us, starting to build out a network of bus rapid transit on these major arterial streets that are both CDOT highways and local roads. Um, so she's talking about like federal and, um, you know, they actually said Boulder and Longmont too, a line between Boulder and Longmont. Can you imagine that? Is that, are people clamoring for that one? I don't know anything about that one. No, yeah. I've heard a lot of people really excited about that. Well, the only... BRT that I've really known of is to go to Boulder, the BX bus. You okay. can go up to Boulder really quickly. And I think there's a lot of that connection there that'll help increase people with Longmont and Boulder. Mm. Yeah, I was, I was talking to my um, in-laws uh, about this recently. They live uh, in the Longmont area and are scared. You know, they are always talking about how Longmont's getting boulder -fied. 
and like a little bit better transit connection, I think that would just that would just be more development, you know, more, no, totally. more popular Longmont. Well, to me, I'm like, oh, this is great. It connects all the front range mm -hmm. <laughs> together. But of course, there's always that discomfort when for sure in communities. And I um, can see that I've actually known a lot of people who have been working in Longmont on big housing developments. Oh, really? Yeah. I have a, a friend of mine who he was out there with some developers. They were like pre-selling homes that were coming in. Um, I think it kind of slowed down from what he told me because of the pandemic and lumber cost went up mm. in like 2020 and 2021. So it slowed a lot of these big development projects. But yeah, that Longmont, that area has been... Um, eyed for some time. Hmm. That's really interesting. Do you area. feel any attachment to Longmont? Do you I feel do, the pole or anything? I only feel a Longmont attachment because growing up, my grandfather was a migrant farm worker. And, okay, sugar um, beets? Huh? Sugar beets? No, no, not sugar beets. But that is, I'm. Well, he went all over. Okay. But they were. He was originally born in Montrose, but they went all over. He always tells me picking palisade peaches was the worst <laughs> thing he ever did. He would try to get well, out. Well, thank as him for his good. service. Yeah. He was like, you're full of peach fuzz, and but yeah. So he went around. So I knew a lot of. There was always a lot of uh, of uh, Mexicano history in Longmont, mm -hmm. and there are a lot of Latinos up there, and people don't realize that. But yeah. Mm -hmm. um, also, another Longmont thing that's like random is this is the Longmont show. When, <laughs> since Bush was elected, they there's been a group of like liberals up there that do a little protest on Main Street, like every Saturday. I must have seen them. The well, holding signs on the yeah, street corner? Yeah, and I joined them one time you during did? the Trump era because <laughs> they did that all throughout Bush and then they stopped for Obama. And then once <laughs> Trump got elected, they started their weekly protests back up. So I went out huh. there to join them a few years ago and talk about abortion rights at their, their thing. But I loved the dedication. And yeah, I like Longmont. I love Longmont. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Longmont's okay. I know yeah. Longmont too much. I know all the restaurants. None of them are as good as I want them well, to be. Well, I know all the Mexicans and the liberals, so I'm like, yeah, it's cool up there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Justine, Longmont's one thing, but another thing is these other lines that are very much inside the Denver Metro. I mean, the one I'm excited about is Colorado Boulevard. They're talking about going I-25 all the way to I-70. That's the first time there's been a transit announcement that I was like, oh, that one specific thing is going to mean I drive less. So for me, that was huge. Um, but what about the other ones? You know, we got we got Colfax. We got rapid transit along Colfax. Amazing. Federal. Awesome. Like if those things happen, but like what other ways do we um, shorten that mile gap? And I think the mile gap has gotten wider and wider. The mile gap, a lot of people who talk about transit know that your bus or your public transportation will get you within a mile of your destination, but if you were not able to move easily, if you're elderly, if you if it's a longer distance, that mile gap can mean so much for people. So what are we doing if it's not a cable car and it's not just scooters or something to close that mile gap or whatever we need to do in communities to make transit more efficient? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, people are pretty excited about those scooters. Some people. I Some mean, people they're fine. Yeah. I think they fill that they fill that gap. They, are they perfect? No, no. Absolutely not. I don't mind them unless they're in my front yard and that's when I get all old lady you know, I'm like, what the People have started parking <laughs> them in my neighborhood, actually, in the last year or so. It was it, it's a new thing. They're on the corners now. It's it's weird. It's <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it's good. I don't know. I I still am grappling with it. Funny story, I got an e-bike the other day in front of my house and there was oh, a yeah? whole joint in the basket. Really? Yeah, and I was like a tourist totally was just like, uh, I can't just take this with one. This. 
<laughs> hey, it's gonna be a great ride home after all. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Pine Melon, the farmer's market delivered. Pine Melon is a next generation grocery delivery app that partners with over 200 farmers, ranchers, and producers in Colorado to help make fresh, locally sourced foods available to the Denver community at fair prices. Get high quality meats, eggs, and dairy from small local farms, fresh baked breads from local bakeries, and more, as well as all of your favorite pantry staples. Best part is, Pine Melon offers same-day delivery to Denver and soon Boulder within a two-hour window, no subscription necessary. Save time in your busy schedule and get fresh and healthy groceries delivered right to your door. Join the movement and support local today. Use promo code CityCastDenver for $75 off your first delivery at PineMelon.com. That's PineMelon.com. Um, so our next uh, our next topic today is kind of a fun one. It's kind of a follow up to our uh, episode last week, recapping the election. And what people heard in that episode was me and Bree um, feeling genuine surprise at looking at the Denver elections website and seeing these votes uh, that we had never heard of uh, on this on the dashboard it was relating to something called the Denargo Market District Two ballot issue. There was a ton of them. There was ballot issue six through A, um, and they all had fewer than 100 votes for each vote. And so we were like, what the heck is going on? Um, did you have that same experience, Justine? Exactly the same experience. I have to admit, I was really bad this election. And I'm good every election. No, what would you do? I just did really did pay you vote? attention. Oh, I've never okay. not voted. Good I just like you. to say that. I voted in every single election that I okay. could since I was 18. Yeah. Um, but no, I was just, I'm just not as well informed. And so hmm. the thing was, though, why you didn't see a lot of votes is because it was only people within that district mm-hmm. um, where this is going to be impacted. And I'm just north of there, like literally five blocks, maybe six blocks. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was not on my ballot. Really? Yeah. So I was very shocked when I was going through. But I was not great, but I am still a great, you know, participator. So I looked <laughs> online as the, the votes are coming in and I was looking at the um, clerk and recorder's office and I was like, what the heck is this Denaro market stuff? So I was very yeah. shocked too. I was yeah. just scrolling through. Well, I do have some answers, but I, I just, I mean, since you live so close, I mean, what's your experience with Denaro market? When well, I say that, what do you, what do you think of? Denaro market like immediately invokes like history for me in Colorado. Cause I grew yeah. up always hearing like my grandma and grandpa and everyone talk about Denargo market, the old Denargo market, the old produce market. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there was and all of that area. A lot of people don't know this, but there were many factories around the area. So there was like hmm. the Denargo produce market. There was a paper mill. There was a potato chip factory. Yeah. And we're and talking lot, about Brighton Boulevard yep, along Brighton the Boulevard. river. Mm-hmm. And what? so a lot of family members of mine, I'm fourth generation Curtis park and, um, yeah, they worked there, they shopped there. And so I always grew up hearing about the Denargo market. Hmm. And well, they had a sign forever too that says Denargo market over there. <laughs> well, that's interesting. I mean, to me, it was just always one of those words that was like around Denver that I didn't I didn't know how to put a, a name on it. Um, but it sounds like there are some developers who are using the name again um, ever since the old Denargo market burned down in 1971 and no one's really been using it. And they're like, we want to build a new 17 acre multi-use development right there, basically on Brighton Boulevard. Um, Denverite reported back in September that they have actually broken ground on this. They call it, um, 
Sean Campbell, the CEO of this project, he says, this is the largest urban downtown infill investment probably to date in Denver's history, which that's huge. Um, he says it represents 3 million square feet of new buildings, lots of new parks, um, which is key uh, to why there it was a vote. Um, and he says that equates to about $1.5 billion worth of investment. Uh, wow. So interesting <laughs> new project happening. Have you seen anything, any activity down there? I have not seen any activity as yet, but I have heard all the rumblings of this for many years now. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. I think it's, I'm not quite sure, but from when I've um, interacted with certain people, it seems like people own pieces of the property. So I don't know how that impacted how like this mass project went forward, but there have been rumblings for a long time. Well, that that actually is the whole answer to it. Um, and we got a, a very thoughtful listener, um, longtime listener um, who happens to work for the city very close to this project. Um, so he wrote in and he was, he was like, let me just lay it out for you. There's a, there's a developer, like the main developer who owns the land because it's so big. Then there's a lot of developers who are taking on just chunks of it. Then they're kind of, I think they might be still selling off some of those plots. Um, and what the big developer is doing um, and why we voted on it is because they are setting up something called a metropolitan district which is like, uh, it's like a financial instrument basically where they're spending a lot of money on like trees and parks and just making it a nice area. And all of that, um, all those debts are gonna be bundled up and eventually paid off by the taxpayers in this district that does not exist yet. But that's how the money is being moved around right now to make this development happen. I think that's kind of interesting. That's why there was a vote on it, I guess, is because it's like, um, it's like a pseudo government organization. I still don't understand that connection, actually. Yeah, I don't totally understand that. But now that you say all that, I'm like, oh, I did understand what was going on. <laughs> you you had it exactly. You totally yeah. did. So they're doing the like they're planting trees, I bet, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is interesting because they're essentially asking the taxpayers to pay off this project. Yes. In the future, yes. uh, the infrastructure of the project, mm -hmm. like not necessarily buildings, but like the sewage, the parks, the streets, mm -hmm. that piece. Um, but it's completely developer driven. So there's no yes. say from anybody who's going to foot the bill later. I mean, I guess your say was voting if you're in that area, but well, essentially the people voting were the only ones who are there now. Yes. Like the current developers. <laughs> so the future people, I think their their choice comes when they move in. You know, if they're looking at an apartment there or a condo, the price of these taxes would be built into it. Oh, wow. So I yeah. think the developer is betting that it's still going to be attractive to those people in the future, even with these additional taxes. Interesting, because I also read today that Colorado's population growth is slowing oh at its lowest Don't ever. Don't get me started, Justine. <laughs> so I like, can't stop thinking about it. I'm it's like, slow. going to pay for this because nobody's ever. moving here anymore? <laughs> it could be a real problem. I mean, that's a huge development. You know, they're working with very, I mean, presumably small margins and like, depending on how the market fluctuates, who knows? Yeah, I mean, and then, the neighborhood development, it's funny because I'm like, well, we're going to let the developers decide and we'll pay for it later as taxpayers. Yeah. But let's be realistic. The developers have decided a lot of stuff that's going to go on in that neighborhood for many years now. Mm -hmm. um, so it's nothing really new. But I think it's like how big, how massive this project is, is kind of, yeah. you know, catches attention.
Certainly, certainly. Well, I'm glad we looked into it. Thanks to everyone who um, who wrote in uh, to to explain a piece of that or share share your thoughts on that. If you have thoughts on the Denargo market um, or Rhino in general, it, the way that this is going to reshape or potentially not if it flops. Um, that neighborhood is so interesting. Uh, call in to the Rhino hotline, uh, 720-500-5418. Anytime, let us know what you think. That number again is 720-500-5418. So uh, at the end of the show, we always like to hear from you, our brilliant and hilarious listeners, about the things that you care about. Um, so that's how we end the show every Tuesday. We're going to have a comment or a question. We'll answer it. Um, so this one we picked, Justine, because it is a comment on the last episode you were on okay. where we talked about these weed parties, right? And this crackdown, the city's crackdown on the weed parties. And then was it Cannabis Karen or Commercial Karen? I think it was Cannabis Karen. Cannabis Karen. Yeah. Cannabis so like Karen. The, the, the weed bros who are organizing these parties were mad at the Karen who's complaining about them and getting this <laughs> crackdown. <laughs> Um, anyway, lots of people had lots of different thoughts about this episode, as you can imagine. Have you, let's start with you, Justine. Have you been thinking about this at all anymore? Cause I've been thinking about this one more. Oh yeah, I have. And <laughs> I've had people reach out to me and have their opinions oh, on yeah? that episode. You know, <laughs> give me some hot takes. What are people saying? No, they were, I, well, people reach out to me and were like, yeah, I get, it. I agree on yeah? things. So, hmm. but I did, I did walk away from the episode thinking about what, what the, feeling would be from some of our listeners. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, here is a comment that comes to us from a listener on the CityCast Denver subreddit, which is a cool place to hang out um, and where people often share their real thoughts. Uh, so maybe check it out if you're interested. Uh, the user is you slash happening 303. Um, and they write, quote, the open disdain for white men in this one was off-putting. I don't politically align very well with most of the people on the show, but I am a regular listener. Um, thank you for doing that, by the way. Uh, stuff like this will make me not listen anymore. I'm a black guy, and while I absolutely think we should celebrate and encourage historically disadvantaged peoples having opportunities, this just ain't it. Justine, the white guy factor. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I feel like I'm coming from a very realistic point of view. Yeah. And if we really break down who are the power players in the marijuana industry here and, you know, it's white guys. It's just the reality. And I'm sorry if that makes people uncomfortable to have that conversation, but it is very true. And maybe my opinion comes from an area of bias as being not a white guy um, and often totally being impacted by decisions of white guys. Um, so that's where like my perspective comes from. But the reality is this has become a market for um, people who have money to invest into it. So if you'd like to be in the marijuana industry, it's a lot harder if you don't have the funds. And I, the reality is a lot of uh, white trust fund bros came in and have really <laughs> kind of shaped how this industry looks in Colorado. So I'm just pointing that out. I totally understand that people might feel offended by that, but it's actually the reality when we're having this conversation. Well, here's here's how I feel about it now. Cause I, like I said, I've been thinking about this. I think what is off-putting about that analysis is that the white men in question can't really do anything about it. You know, you're just trying to start a business. You're just trying to throw epic weed parties. And that's, that's all it is, you know? Um, so if you, if you can't do that, your, your, your freedom is being limited. You know, it feels un-American to some people. Um, and it's just about your race and your identity, which you can't change. So 
I understand that the purpose of the regulation is literally to restrict people like that from taking a bigger piece of the pie of this new industry. We've voted on that. That's what our city has decided. So that is kind of the terms that we should discuss this on, which is why I appreciate your perspective, Justine. You've been consistent from the beginning. You said you voted against legalization because it would become an industry run by white guys. Um, but at the same time, as a consumer, all I want to do is go to the most epic weed parties, you know? And that would mean lifting the restrictions, lifting the regulations, and allowing the free market to uh, compete. No, and that's totally where my bias comes from, because yeah. as a weed smoker, yeah, I just want to get my weed thing. and go home and watch Housewives of whatever, insert city, yeah. uh, <laughs> and I clean, you know, reorganize my wrapping paper bin like that's what yeah. i want to do and so that type of um, so my perspective is just a personal perspective totally, too, on yeah. how i feel about the whole marijuana industry as a whole in denver mm -hmm. so i mean to me it's it's kind of silly <laughs> like it's honestly, so silly it is so silly i'm like come to my backyard we'll have an epic weed party we'll hang out in the backyard i'll make snacks <laughs> and you can smoke all the weed you want legally in my backyard so it's just like and then it becomes the other thing too of capitalism and becomes the overall system so maybe i'm not mad at white weed bros specifically i'm mad at the whole damn system that continues to put, you know certain people ahead of everything in every industry and every um thing that we do in the entire world couldn't, so agree with that's you more. My beef. couldn't agree with you more I, the broader <laughs> context i think that's the answer honestly on this one um but anyway thanks again for uh you happening for commenting on the citycast denver subreddit a very cool place to hang out um and justine thank you so much for joining me today this was really fun it's always a pleasure thank you that's all for today here on citycast denver if you enjoyed the show why not take a minute to tell rtd ceo deborah johnson about us Rate the show five stars wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you then. Turning up on a Tuesday. <laughs> What is I'm, that? What is what song is that? That's actually uh was it Drake? Oh, going up. See, that's how old I am because any Gen Zers will be like, what song is that? <laughs> is club going up on a Tuesday? I just left the club out because I said going up on a Tuesday. Like, turn it up.